travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 19. This one is favorite foods of Asia. And one of the great reasons to come to this part of the world, if not to see the sights and meet the people, is to have the food. And uh, Trevor and I really love to eat, so we thought let's share some of our favorites with you. So I'm one of your co-hosts, Scott Coates. With me is... Trevor Ranges here, uh, recording right next to Scott at the FCC in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Yeah, we don't get a lot of opportunities when we're both in the same place at the same time, and we thought we would try and knock off a couple episodes. It's just after Christmas in 2014, and we've been eating pretty big the last couple days, so it's kind of appropriate that we slide into this one about food. Yeah, last night we hit one of our favorite places that's going to be talked about here in a little while. Yeah, absolutely. So who is this episode uh, sponsored by, Trevor? Um, as we're here in Cambodia, this week's episode is sponsored by CM Reap Dirt Bikes. CM Reap Dirt Bikes offers off-the-beaten-track motorbike adventure tours in the most remote areas of Cambodia, taking you to places that others don't go. CM Reap Dirt Bikes does offer some day-trip excursions, but primarily they focus on multi-day adventures to the more remote areas of Cambodia, focusing on fun terrain and awesome attractions. Yeah, now I've dirt biked a fair bit, mostly in Thailand and you know that is one activity where you can't be too prepared I mean not just great equipment but having a bike that you know isn't gonna crap out I've been out a few times when I haven't used my main suppliers and little things have gone wrong with bikes so you want to make sure you use someone like CM Reap dirt bikes because they're gonna have the proper equipment bikes that are going to be bulletproof when you're out in the middle of nowhere for a few days and I know we're actually going to uh, employ them later uh, next year to go to Priya Khan Temple. So they're top drawer for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I really felt comfortable going out with Richard and CM Reap Dirt Bikes because I didn't have a lot of experience. And he's a gung-ho enthusiast, so if you're a really serious biker, he'll take you on some of the most challenging stuff. But at the same time, if you're not that experienced, he's really patient and understanding, and, and his gear is just top-notch. Yeah, all right. Well, today we're going to attack a whole bunch of foods from around the region and uh, you noted here you want to start in South Korea. Well, I, you know, oftentimes we don't touch on some of these more farther flung areas outside of Southeast Asia because we're based here, but you know, the food across the region is exceptional and uh, you know, you can get some pretty good Korean food uh, in Thailand and, and even here in, in Cambodia where there's lots of Korean people, but just when you go to Korea, uh, the food is just outstanding. It's better than like any Korean food you can get anywhere, obviously. Um, just like the Thai food in Thailand is much better. But, you know, I go to China, like the Chinese food in China just blew me away because I'm not a big fan of the Chinese food in, in Thailand. Um, so I think that, you know, the, getting local food in local restaurants, uh, it's not just the food, it's the, it's the whole eating experience. And I know that you, like myself, uh, love to eat local style whenever, whenever you can. Yeah, I uh, updated a Groovy Map for Seoul a number of years ago, and I don't really want to isolate one barbecue shop here, but the theme I found, which is kind of similar to anywhere in Asia, is that the best Korean barbecues were at kind of the semi-sketchier 
really local, maybe even a bit dirty looking places. So if you're wandering around Seoul, look for these things that almost look like a hanging exhaust slash vacuum cleaner above a table and that is the dead giveaway that you are at a korean barbecue restaurant and you'll order up all kinds of different meats maybe some beef maybe some pork and you just grill it on a grill right in the center of your table and the exhaust sucks up the smoke out of it and they bring you a whole bunch of pickled vegetables some kimchi and you roll this stuff up in lettuce leaves it's uh, it's unbelievable yeah you know it's funny you say that with the smoke because there's another place we're going to be talking about when we get to bali where you can find it by the smoke pouring out of the front of the restaurant <laughs> um, but i think that's kind of the point is when you when you find like local places where the local people really love to eat that's going to be where you're going to find some of your best food um, now everyone's going to have the a different uh, recommendation for where to go to get a favorite classic local dish like a mami mudang in thailand which we're going to talk about maybe you're favorite place isn't my favorite place isn't somebody else's favorite place Um, but if you look for the local spots I think uh, or ask for locals advice even uh, which I really like to do when I'm traveling you ask the local people where do they like to eat yeah now I mentioned kimchi Trevor and and I think most people have heard of it but what is kimchi actually Um, kimchi's like uh, you know and again Trying to find your best kimchi is probably going to be tricky depending on whom you ask because it's probably a secret recipe for every different right. place, but it's fermented cabbage. Right, so it's kind of like, yeah, pickled cabbage in a way, and it'll come in different forms, different colors. Some are spicy, some aren't. But I found if you're having barbecue or even a lot of different Korean foods, you're bound to get served a couple kimchis, which can look a little different, but definitely worth trying. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, talking about like local places, like just peeking at our list here, I also noticed that we also do me- mention some really high-end dining venues as well that I think have really perfected some of the particular local dishes um, and uh, are a little bit more accessible to foreigners that have some squeamish uh, stomach issues. Well, sliding from uh, Seoul, South Korea, why don't we move over to Vietnam, a place that kind of gets more famous by the year. So most people that have heard of Vietnamese food are probably familiar with pho. And what I'm talking about is that soup that's actually spelled P-H-O, but you actually sell it pho. And now if you go to Vietnam, you're going to see this available from the crack of dawn in the morning till well after dark. It's something people eat all times a day. Uh, made with rice noodles, kind of a, a mild beef-based broth. Sometimes you can get it with chicken. They're going to throw some shallots in there, some onions, usually some mint leaves, some bean sprouts. And it's absolutely one of my top five dishes anywhere in the world. Um, but isolating kind of your favorite can be a little tricky. So is there one that you really like, Trevor? Yeah, I have a favorite pho place, but I don't know the name of it, and I couldn't tell you what street corner it's on, but if you dropped me in Ho Chi Minh City, I'd be able to follow my nose and find it pretty quickly. Sure, and that's kind of the, a thing that should guide you, too, is don't worry about maybe finding the one we mentioned. A good rule of thumb is just if you see lots of people sitting down eating somewhere, coming and going, it means the turnover on the food is high, and locals are going there because the food is good, and that stall is there day in and day out. So what's your favorite pho place in Vietnam? You know, it's a classic. It's called Pho Hoa, and it is on 260C Pasteur Street in District 1. And around the world, there's all kinds of restaurants with this same name, Pho Hoa. And there's actually a chain, a global chain, but like a lot of North American cities are going to have a pho shop by that name. And it's kind of all comes from this one shop. It's been in the family for many, many, many generations. They always serve kind of a crispy bread-like that you can get there. You can get cheap beer, but it's a two-story place, maybe even three now. And if you can get yourself to that one, you can confidently say you've sort of had the kind of 
base level most famous pho in all of Vietnam or southern Vietnam for sure. Yeah, and you know, it's funny that we start up with pho, which is such a famous dish around the world. And when I started spending more time in Vietnam, um, I was blown away that like the Vietnamese menus are as extensive as the Thai menus. You're getting like 10 pages of options. And just every time I went to a different restaurant, they had a totally different selection of cuisine. Um, so one of the places that I like to take visitors and I like to eat as well in, in Ho Chi Minh City um, is a place called Ngon, N-G-O-N. Yeah. Ngon means delicious in Vietnamese. And while my Vietnamese friends tell me that the pho there is not particularly good, the cool thing about Ngon is that inside of this just massive structure of a, a house, colonial house sti- style uh, restaurant, yeah. they have all these like open air kitchens making like maybe... 30 or 40 different styles of Vietnamese street food and you can walk around the restaurant and look at the people who are making these little dishes and you can just order them right there and tell them what number table you're sitting at and and you can sample a great variety of Vietnamese foods. Yeah, it's super famous and in fact they've branched out. They've got one here in Phnom Penh now and it's a really safe bet if you feel a little more comfortable in a kind of cleaner, nicer slightly western you know cleanliness type atmosphere it's it's really tough to go wrong and another thing is we're going to put up in the show notes so if you go to talktravelasia.com you're going to see all the addresses and so forth for these places that we talk about google map yeah and another uh, really good one if you want to treat yourself to something a bit more expensive while you're in vietnam is restaurant bobby chin now this guy he has a couple travel slash food shows on cable networks he, uh, he's part Egyptian, he's part Vietnamese, he's part American. He's, he's a mixed breed, but he's done really well for promoting Vietnamese cuisine, kind of fused with Western cuisine. And his restaurant, he has one in Hanoi, he has a newer one in Ho Chi Minh City, and the food is incredible, world-class in its, its quality and presentation, and it's just a ton of fun. And when I took my parents there a few years ago, they actually had a feature on the menu where you could pay $5 and for the rest of the night, the staff will tell you how good looking you are. Huh. Yeah, and it was hilarious. Me and my mom both paid for it. And servers and staff that weren't even tending to our tables, they'd walk by, they'd just kind of stop and look at us for a minute, and they'd be like, you are so good looking this <laughs> evening. It was, it was well worth the five bucks. Yeah, I didn't get that experience. I saw it on the menu. Uh, Bobby Chin happened to be there when I brought my parents into the restaurant. And and he didn't tell us we were good looking, but he treated us like we were world-class guests. You know, like he was such a welcoming and warm guy. And uh, despite the fact that we both brought uh, both of our parents there, I think it's an outstanding date venue. It's just such a romantic atmosphere and and it's so classy and, and the food is outstanding. Even though it's not strictly traditionally all Vietnamese, it's kind of a fusion menu. Yeah. Um, just excellent all around. Yeah. And especially with kind of people being really into food and all the cooking shows and foodie shows. If, if you want to feel that you went to one of the cutting edge places, restaurant Bobby Chin is, is a really great place in Vietnam. Well, let's uh, slide next door to Cambodia and somewhere you mentioned that we ate last night and I'm just never disappointed by this place. You know, it was cool. We went to a, a restaurant called Sovana Barbecue here in Phnom Penh. It's near the Independence Monument. Yeah. And uh, we hadn't been to Sovana in about a year, I guess, huh? And, yeah. And they yeah. recently renovated, and they have a retractable roof now. So when, when we sat down, uh, it had just stopped raining briefly, and they opened up the retractable roof, and you could see this huge cloud of smoke pouring out just to vent the place, and then it started raining again, and they closed it up. Yeah, I've been going there for probably seven, eight years. And it gets bigger and bigger. They've got half the street now. And you'll see like Suwana 1, Suwana 2. 
and it used to be like a shop house and they got the shop house next door and they knocked down that wall and then they got the whole house next to that and they knocked down that wall so when you go down that street you'll see multiple suanas it's all the same thing it's all the same owners and it's just as good now what you're going to get here is Khmer, so that's Cambodian, the Khmer-style barbecue. Now, it's not the tenderest meat you've ever had in your life, but the pork and beef they bring grilled to your table is, is pretty damn fine. Yeah, the grilled pork was, is outstanding, and that actually is pretty tender. You know, Cambodians do pork quite well. Um, the beef in Cambodia is a little bit more uh, rough to, to chew, but the yeah. flavor is outstanding, and, and it's a really good local experience. I think there was how many of us dining there last night? There was about 10 of us crowded around a far too small table. And, and we ate way too much food. We all overate, and I think the tab was like 20 bucks. Yeah, it was $8 each. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 8 okay. But the things that you dip the meat in, to me, is what really makes it. And this is a common thing in Cambodia. With meats, you'll get like a salt and pepper mix, and then you squeeze a bunch of lime juice in, maybe even add a couple little pieces of chili and garlic. And you, you'd never guess something so simple as salt and pepper with lime juice could be so incredible, but it really just makes the meat awesome. That's a really good point, because Cambodia uh, is quite famous for pepper, and, and maybe a lot of our listeners don't know that, but yeah. back in the day when, when Cambodia was a French colony, 80% of the pepper that was consumed in France was from Cambodia. And, no way. And the French know a little bit about cuisine, I hear. Yeah, and, and it comes from Kampot, does it not, which is sort of in the southeastern part of Cambodia is where a lot of this famous Kampot pepper comes from. Yeah, so we should almost even mention, like, we were talking to some friends going down to Kampot and Kaip in the couple days coming up, and uh, you can get some stir-fried crabs there on the beach with the stir-fried with Cambodian peppercorns, and yeah, oh my yeah. god, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll kind of follow our way down there, so if you are in Kep or Kampot in the uh, southeast, you gotta have the, the crabs, and as Trevor said, they're like a couple dollars a piece, they'll just bring out a huge plate of them and you just dive in yeah my favorite place is in Kempot uh, most of the town is on the east bank of the Kempot river but there's a bridge that goes across the river and then you take a left at uh, this kind of Naga monument mm -hmm. and then it's about a 10-12 minute bike ride down to the beach there and down on the beach there there's kind of makeshift restaurants just underneath some cassowarina trees you know some pine yeah, trees yeah. and and they'll just uh they'll grill up like 10 crabs for you for like five seven bucks and it's just a feast and then you get all messy eating all these crabs and you can just jump in the water and rinse yourself off and it's just a such a great dining experience and then the one thing be it uh the crabs or suana barbecue that helps it all go down really well are beer towers this is a bit unique to Southeast Asia, but they basically will have like two and three liter. It is literally a tower with a cold ice piece in the middle and you get this cheap, cheap draft. It'll be like $3 for a couple liters of draft and you just have this huge tower and you feel, you feel like a bit of a champion drinking that much beer. Yeah, but it definitely helps uh, if you put some spice into your mix and the peppercorns actually can be quite spicy as well. Um, while we're down in Kempot, I see that one of the places you mentioned uh, is down in that area as well. Yeah, and this place is called the Rusty Keyhole in Kampot. And I heard about it years ago, and any foreigner living in Phnom Penh or maybe even Siem Reap knows of the Rusty Keyhole. It's run by an American guy, and he has, it seems, become the Jedi Knight of beef ribs. And we went down there a few years ago now, and it was incredible. This guy, like, he has his secret barbecue sauce. His wife and her team help grill these things slowly over a barbecue. Now, I've never been to the southern U.S., but from what they say and others, this is about as close as you're going to get 
to authentic like American barbecued ribs. Yeah, you know, I, I've been to the Rusty Keyhole and I met the owner and, and I didn't get a chance to try the ribs. Uh, but when I was up in Siem Reap a couple of days ago, uh, one of my friends who owns a bar up there, he told me that a number of years ago, they put a bid on the Rusty Keyhole to buy it from the guy. Um, and he confessed that the reason they wanted to buy it was to get the ribs recipe so that they could open up a restaurant selling the ribs in Siem Reap. That's how good they are. Yeah, and I've honestly known people that work here in Phnom Penh that on, say, a Sunday have driven the two and a half or so hours down there, had ribs, had a few drinks, and then come back. Like, they're that good. Yeah, it's funny. It's come up like four or five times in the, <laughs> in the past four or five days. Uh, people just keep talking about them. Um, and since we're talking about ribs, uh, you know, at, at first I thought people were talking about the Cambodian-style ribs. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that they were American-style um, because I'm a big fan of the Cambodian-style pork ribs. Uh, they're, they're fermented somehow, or they're, yeah. they're, they're marinated in some sort of fermented sauce. And uh, the place that I usually like to get them up in Siem Reap uh, just happened to close. So I'm currently looking for a new place to get the best Cambodian pork ribs, if any listeners want to share that with us. And, and they're kind of a little sour in taste, are they not almost? Yeah, they're, they're sour and they're little tiny ribs and you just kind of nibble the meat off them. But the meat's fairly tender. It's not like you got to wrestle with them or anything like that. It's a great bar snack. Now, sliding out of Cambodia to a country you know a lot about and I don't know much about, what about Balinese food? Um, you know, I brought the Balinese thing into this part because because uh, of the ribs again. You know, if there's one thing that that Balinese people cook really well, it, it's ribs. And uh, one of the other things that they do really good is like a crispy duck. Ooh. Um, so there's a place that maybe again isn't everybody who lives on the island's favorite place, um, but certainly one of the most famous places is called Nadi Nuri's Warung. Mm. Um, the original Nadi Nuri's Warung is up in Ubud, but they also have one down in Batu Beleg, uh, just north of Semenyak Beach. So uh, what kind of ribs are they serving? Are they serving beef or pork ribs? Uh, they're, those are pork ribs down there. Uh, on the menu, they're called unbelievably wicked pork ribs. So that's a bit different because most people associate Indonesia with being a Muslim nation, but Bali is actually Hindu, right? So that's why you'd maybe find the pork ribs. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, too, because uh, Bali is part of Indonesia, and maybe a lot of people are famous with Indonesian food, but Balinese food is, is very different from Indonesian food. Uh, and one thing that I was surprised about was that some Balinese food is, is very, very spicy. And, and coming from Thailand and loving spicy food, I was definitely surprised at, at how spicy um, some of the Balinese food is. But the, the ribs aren't this type of spicy food, but they do serve a really mean Bloody Mary there at Naughty Nuri's, nice. and, uh, and those are pretty spicy. Uh, before we move on, actually, I, I just want to mention the duck really quickly, because we've been talking a whole lot about ribs, but uh, it's called Bebek Goreng, which is the crispy duck, and it comes with some excellent vegetables and some potato wedges, and, uh, you know, like, really, we, we talked about Potato Head is one of my favorite uh, watering holes recently. It's just down the road from uh, Naughty Nuri's in Batubeleg. Right. And uh, one of the reasons I like to go to the Potato Head pool is because I often travel alone, and that's where I can round up some tourists and be like, hey, do you know where to eat? And I'm like, yeah, we're all going to Naughty Nuri's, and that way I can order, you know, four or five dishes and make sure I get to try uh, the ribs and the duck and uh, a bunch of other things they got there that's, that's just really tasty Balinese food and kind of you've touched on a, a good rule of thumb here is that anywhere in asia i mean outside of just a bowl of pho is get a group of people together to go eat like at least four people so you can order like six dishes and try lots of things rather than just a few so always rally the troops yeah that's a good point because like uh you know in the west uh, we often order our own meals and then you just eat what you order but here in asia it's much more common to dine family style where everybody orders a whole bunch of different things and you all share 
Yeah, and then two, you can take a bit of a risk. You can order a dish you're maybe not super keen on, and if it doesn't pan out, uh, no big deal, you still have another five. All right, so why don't you tell us another one of your favorite uh, dishes? Yeah, and I went to Sri Lanka in 2014. I'm no expert there, but when we were in uh, a little town on the south called Marissa, which is a little beach town, there's a little family-run guest house. I can't actually find the name, but if you go up Urupila Road, about 100 meters on your right-hand side, there's a guest house, and the woman running it does fantastic food any time of day, but the real to-die-for dish is deviled prawns. And you get this plate of prawns and kind of a red sauce with some peppers and stuff, and, and it packs a punch. It's a pretty spicy dish. Takes you a little while to get through, but it's absolutely incredible. We were there five nights, and I think we went back three times for the deviled prawns. Just absolutely incredible. And just such a different sauce than anywhere else in Asia that yeah. I had. So no, no relation to, like, deviled eggs? Because that's what I, I, the, I, I'm thinking of, like, a deviled egg with a prawn sticking out of it. No, no, nothing like a deviled egg, something I don't like. <laughs> really? But it sounds excellent, because I imagine Sri Lanka's got some pretty good seafood. Yeah, they do have very good seafood. And, again, if you can make it to this woman's restaurant and guest house, everything she has is great, but the deviled prawns, like, ninja, man. She's a ninja on it. But Scott's not going to share the name of the place with you. No. No, because I don't have it up my sleeve at the moment. All right. Well, hopefully you'll be able to check it out on the Google map uh, from this episode. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move over to uh, Laos and Luang Prabang, a place we both have some experience. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, Thai food is really famous all around the world. And uh, Cambodia food, uh, obviously less so. But Cambodian food isn't uh, really that different from Thai food. I mean, there are definitely distinct dishes and there's some excellent food here that you can't find in Thailand. Um, but Laos is kind of similar. Like a lot of Laotian food is somewhat similar to Thai food. Um, but one noticeable difference is that Laotian food is not as spicy as Thai food is. Yeah. And I had one of the man nicest dishes I've had in years at a place called Tamarin. And they're pretty famous. They also run cooking courses. But they did a beef cheek masaman. Now, masaman is a curry you'll find in Thailand as well. It's kind of a thick brown sauce, not spicy, has potatoes, which is a real treat for a Westerner. And they use this absolutely soft beef cheek in it, and it was just to die for. But anything at Tamarind is good, but the beef cheek masaman, ooh. And that's in Luang Prabang, yeah? Yeah, in Luang Prabang, exactly. And I know you had a interesting turkey experience there yeah you know that's really kind of interesting because we're saying that like laotian food is like similar to thai food but it's different so now we're talking about like a probably a traditionally thai dish masaman i think it's from the south even it's like kind of a yeah. muslim curry yeah, yeah? yeah so it's interesting that that laotians have an interesting twist on it well in in thailand a lot of people are familiar with the green curry the thai yeah. um i had turkey gankiawan in Cambodia. I mean, in, in Laos, sorry. And I was surprised to find that the Laotian people eat quite a bit more turkey than the Thai people do. And to have a, a, a turkey curry was just outstanding. Yeah, the food there is great. It really caters to travelers. And you can have some nice kind of finer dining experiences at, at reasonable prices. Yeah, I just don't remember where that, that Gankiawan curry is. I just remember that I had it many years ago. Um, I know that vegetarians are also well served uh, in the region. There's a lot of vegetarian dishes you can get. And since we're on Luang Prabang, I just wanted to mention that vegetarian buffet at the night market. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a vegetarian myself, but I know lots of vegetarians have told me that is where they head for, like, the best food. And at, like, the best prices. I don't remember how much it was, but it, it, it's something like $2.50, like, all-you-can-eat buffet or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the note of inexpensive food, let's slide over to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, uh, where I live. And there's a couple dishes that have really wowed me there. One is roti chennai. And roti chennai is, like, 
a flat round pastry. It's kind of a dough they just quickly cook up on the grill. It's fluffy and you tear pieces off and you dip it in like uh, like a chicken curry or dal. And you can get it everywhere, but I really like a place called Palita and it's a chain of restaurants so you can find them everywhere. But Roti Chennai is only served for breakfast and then after 4 p.m. But if you go into Palita, get some dal, get some chicken curry, maybe a bit of vegetable and some Roti Chennai to dip it in and it's to die for. And uh, that's an influence of the Indian community there in Kuala Lumpur, yeah? Yeah, that's right. So about 9% of the population is Tamil Indian. So that's kind of their foray and their expertise. And it's really cool. I like how like the Indian restaurants there, they serve the food on a, a big banana leaf. Yeah, yeah. You get a banana leaf, they slop it all on there. So another one I really like in Kuala Lumpur, and the time is numbered on this one, is uh, it's called Mi Curry Noodles at Sam Ki Stall. And it's an Imbi Market. And Imbi Market is just on the south end of the downtown core and they're literally around this wet market building skyscrapers so I think another year or so an MB market's not going to be there but mm-hmm. if you go in sort of 6 to 11 in the morning any later than 11 and places are running out look for this uh, Indian Malaysian guy Samki little stall and it's a yellow noodle in a thick kind of chicken gravy mm-hmm. and it's it's unbelievably good and then another thing in that same market is the chicken porridge it's a bit bland but it's really good and then there's also an old school iced coffee shop there so you order an iced coffee you order your chicken porridge you order the uh, meat curry noodles and you oh man it's unbelievable and it's only a few dollars for all of that that's awesome it's a good thing i think we ate before this episode started because talking about all these good foods from around the region uh starting to make me a little hungry anyway yeah yeah well let's slide into uh thailand and bangkok specifically where you and i have probably our most expertise and, and a lot of places to share yeah i know thailand's again a tricky one because like i said in the introduction uh, everybody has their favorite place to get their favorite dish and uh you know thai food's kind of interesting because you can go into like a big restaurant and they'll have a menu with like a hundred different things but if you're looking for something specific like everybody has their favorite place for a particular place that makes that thing perfectly according yeah. to them yeah and mine is a very common dish day or night is called bami mudang and it's a yellow egg noodle in a mild broth with red barbecued pork on it and you'll get it everywhere but the absolute best place from 13 and a half years of eating it is called Nakompatom restaurant it's in Chiang Rai city the northernmost province in the capital city on Pohonyo Tin Road which is near the night bazaar and this place is open from about 6 a.m. till about 1 p.m. and they do a variety of dishes but the bummy mudang there is the best in the kingdom yeah, that's cool. I mean, like, and we're talking about noodles with spicy pork, right? It's not even spicy pork. It's it's kind of like red on the outside, and they slice it really thinly. Some places are really fatty. This place is not. It's just tender pork. Yeah, and you know what? And, and when we're getting to, like, uh, noodle expertise here and stuff like that, it's, it's not just the pork that has to be perfect. Like, people are connoisseurs of the noodles themselves as well, yeah? Yeah, the texture of noodles. You know, some places will do it a little al dente. People don't like it overcooked. And, and yeah, I mean, Thais, they'll drive like 20 kilometers to just get like the noodles they like. You know what I really like? Uh, the, when I was living on Tongla in Bangkok, uh, there's a Muslim mosque there and the Muslims don't eat pork, right? Right. But they make gaidang. Yeah. yeah. So you can get the, the, it's the red chicken with the noodles. Oh, cool. And, I've and, never had that. Oh, yeah, it's excellent. You should try it out. So another place we really love, and this is right in the heart of Bangkok, but it's been there for about 40 years, is called Soy Polo Chicken. And the street it's on is actually called Soy Polo. It's right about 30 meters 
off of Witeyu Road, which is a main thoroughfare that runs down the east side of Lumpini Park. Yeah, Soy Polo is really popular with the uh, local people who work in the community. They go there for lunch. Like, if you go there for lunch, the place is packed. Yeah. I mean, it's packed for dinner. And it, it's kind of in the know for, for expats who have been around town for a while. But it's kind of just a hole-in-the-wall chicken joint that makes really good uh, Isan-style Thai food. Yeah, so Isan is uh, the area in Thailand, the northeast. So all the dishes they do, they do fried chicken. And then you can get, like, somtam, which is a unripened shaved papaya mixed with some palm sugar, peanuts, lime, chilies, and you scoop up and eat that salad with sticky rice, which as the name suggests is sticky and very moldable in a couple fingers. You'd also get into something like lap gai, which is minced chicken with shallots and cilantro, maybe nam tok mu, which is pieces of pork, also with cilantro, lime, some chili. But yeah, the prices are like completely local style and it's incredible. Yeah, the, the fried chicken is really, I mean, it's called soy polo chicken. So the fried chicken is kind of their specialty. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of good places to get fried chicken around town, but like soy polo is a, a great safe bet. Yeah. And if you want to get there, you can grab a quick motorbike from Pull and Chit BTS or from Lumpini MRT. And it's kind of just near All Seasons Place next to the American Embassy and just opposite the East Gate of Lumpini Park. All right, so that's a good lunch place. That's a good dinner place. Suppose you're out drinking for a while and, and you're getting a little peckish and you need a little late night street snack, Scott. Well, you know me well, Trevor. And there's something called mu bing. And mu bing is like kind of a skewer. It's a little stick with some marinated, tender, slightly like fatty. Like a saute, kind of. Yeah, like a saute. And there's a guy that starts selling from about 11 p.m. onwards on the corner of Siloam Road and Convent Road, right by the 7-Eleven. And you'll see the crowds along his stand, and he's just like cooking up over charcoal hundreds and hundreds of these skewers. You get a little bag of sticky rice, a whole bunch of skewers, and it's best to do it after a lot of drinking and just sit there on the corner and snack down. Yeah, and the guy who's, I, I got a photo of him I think we can share if I can dig it up, but yeah. he's sitting there sweating and flipping all these skewers over and putting them in bags, and you can get the, this kind of like spicy chili sauce that they'll pour right into the bag yeah. on top of them, and, and that'll make you sweat even more than the heat. And it is spicy, it is spicy. And a cool thing about that area is you have lots of partiers, but it's not uncommon to also see a businessman like jump out of his Mercedes to get some, like everyone knows it's good. Yeah. Sticking with the kind of famous Thai dishes, uh, I'm going to get off the street here a little bit. Yeah. Um, when friends come to visit uh, me in Thailand, lots of times I'll take them for lunch to a central department store at Chitlom. That's a good one. And the central Chitlom food loft up on the top floor was, was the first of these kind of upscale food uh, court kind yeah. of areas, yeah. you know? And uh, I think that the tom yum gung, the spicy Thai soup with yeah. the prawns in it, um, and the little tiny, I, I like the vermicelli noodles. Right, right, it. right. Um, it's, it's outstanding at Central Chitlam Food Loft. That's like the best uh, tom yum I've had. Yeah, and that particular food court, like you said, it's on the top floor, and they've put basically the most famous fine dining restaurants will have stalls. So there's like an Indian stall, there's an Italian stall, there's a Japanese stall and when you go in you get like a card and just whatever you buy they kind of beep your card and then when you leave it just rings up your total so it's really great especially if you have family visiting maybe everyone doesn't want Thai everyone can kind of have whatever it is they want yeah, and they have cozy couches sometimes they'll have a jazz band playing and stuff like that and uh, 
Yeah, and the food is just, it's, it's excellent. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like your authentic on the street noodles, but uh, if you want like some really, really tasty tom yum, uh, their, their tom yum is awesome. Well, I want to go like right to the street, not even the street, but the farm and the riverside for the very last thing. And this is if you want to eat adventurous, and I am not the most adventurous eater, there's something I've had up in Shengkong, which is a tiny town on the Mekong River in Chiang Rai province, right across the border from Laos. And you can get this in any kind of rural area, but you're going to need a local friend. And it's called Rot Duan. And what it is, they're bamboo worms. And they're white. They're about an inch long. And they're not actually dirty, even though they're worms, because they live inside bamboo. So what people do is they go to the market, the wet market. You'll see like a foot long or so piece of bamboo that's kind of plugged with a banana leaf at one end. And inside, it's full of bamboo worms that have lived their life in the bamboo and they're just eating the flesh of the bamboo. And what you do is you just, preferably like on the shore of a river, is you get a wok, you put the wok on top of a hot fire, you throw those bamboo worms in there with a little bit of oil and some salt, and I swear it tastes like buttery popcorn. So that's what you do, huh? That's what you do. I was taught by a local. I cringed the first time I had them, but you know what? They're damn good, but you definitely need perhaps a few shots of laokao, which is rice whiskey and a few beer before you get into that. You know, but that makes a good point here. You know, I've, uh, I ate the fried tarantulas here in, in Cambodia, and I wouldn't put them on my favorite foods list. But I think that there's so much diversity in the cuisine across the region. Um, you're really going to have to have an adventurous spirit if you really want to discover some outstanding uh, cuisine. And the food here is so inexpensive in general that, like, you can get away with, like, you know, order the things that you know are safe and comfortable. And then, you know, reach out a little bit and order one or two things that your waiter might recommend as his favorite dish just to try it out. And you might discover something you really like. Yeah, I mean, you've spent thousands of dollars coming around the world. You're at a nice hotel. What's a couple more dollars to just try some weird wild dish and if you have one bite and you can't do any more fine but i mean you're really trying lots of stuff at least it's not 15 20 dollars a plate like at home so absolutely trying some weird and wild stuff is key and and it's on the menu there like i'm still at sawana last night they had some pretty uh, interesting dishes i think there was something it was like fried beef with ant eggs yeah, yeah, I mean... Did you see that one? I, I did see that one. What are ant eggs like? I, I, we should have tried it. We should have tried it. Perhaps maybe tonight we can have enough drinks. So yeah. um, that's some of our favorite foods and places to have them throughout Asia. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a ton of fun, and we're going to have to hit some food soon, I think, Trevor. Yep, I think we got uh, some good dining ahead of us uh, here in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. All right, thanks very much for joining us. We will chat with you in another two weeks on another episode of Talk Travel Asia. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia?